You know what that means? It's time for another episode of the Absolute Geek Podcast. I'm Matt. I'm Kyle. I'm Jose. I'm Brian. Hey, welcome back again for a third time to Brian. Oh, Patrick. <laughs> educating the gentleman on toad venom earlier. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we're starting late, because we got an education in toad venom. So, so. tonight I will be going in toad searching. Mm. Yes, we're going to go on a toad yeah, hunting long spree. Yeah, it's going to be a real long night. Hunt them toads. It'll just seem long. Them Sonoran <laughs> Desert toads. Uh, and if you guys have one, you can ship it to Brian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ship it to uh, Absolutely Geek Podcast at P.O. Box. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm too poor to afford a P.O. Box. Are you kidding? I don't even like to check my own mail at all. I was just about to box. say that. <laughs> <laughs> I forget to check the mail half the week. Yeah, I mean, me too. I'll be like... When was the last time I checked mail? Oh, like three, four weeks ago? Oh, shit. Three, four weeks ago. Do you, ha- do you have a mailbox or do you have one of those community mailboxes? Uh, it's one of those community mailboxes, and I don't really want to get to know my neighbors, so I don't want to go walking out there and be like, hey. Hi, neighbor. Hey, neighbor. If I, I had neighbor. <laughs> if I had a regular mailbox, I'd check it every day. But because I have those stupid community ones, like I'm like, oh, there's probably nothing in there I need. Yeah, I didn't have those until I moved out here. Back home, they had just regular mailboxes attached to your house or at the end of the driveway. That's what I had growing up. I don't know. Mm-hmm. These new neighborhoods, they started doing that. It's silly. I, uh, I'm i across the street from mine, so I check it every day. But I'm yeah. always expecting stuff, so. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm always expecting comics in the mail. Expecting a new package every day, huh? Yep. I've trained my postal person to uh, just drop those off at the door. But that's how people steal, and that's when you get like crazy-eyed Wanda who just wanders up and jacks your package and walks away. Have you guys seen those? Th- those like uh, th- they're like little boxes you can buy that this guy is selling on online, and it's it looks like a, a package, and then when you pick it up, it's got like this contraption in it that shoots off a blank shotgun shell. <laughs> so when so when people try to pick it up, it acts like you know it's exploding. I mean, people <laughs> freak out. So. I was thinking about getting one of those if that ever happened, but I've never had anybody steal anything that I know of. That yeah, key word that you know of. You could have bought one of the, you could have bought like a, an awesome book and just never got it because someone jacked it off your porch. Yeah. That would suck. Kyle sits out there and waits for the mailman just to steal your stuff. I do. With my binoculars. <laughs> yeah. Get a little, yeah. I sneak Drive. up and I take it. Yep. He walks up, I'm Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I will sign for that book. I mean, a, package. Yeah. He has a, a long hair and a ponytail. Oh, he's already got long hair. He doesn't even need that. But Exactly. <laughs> I just put a flannel shirt on. Yep. <laughs> just puts a checkered shirt on. I'm Brian. <laughs> uh, I think we should start off the show this week by talking about the big piece of news that happened. Um, Comic World pretty much lost a legend. In the passing of Steve Ditko. 
Yeah. Who? No, I'm just playing. Oh, oh, don't tell me who. <laughs> Gee, I'm a Spider-Man fan. Who? Who? Probably got to be the second greatest artist in comic book history, right? Or creator. Yep. I put him. I put him above Stanley. I think oh. it goes Kirby. Yeah. Ditko, and then Stanley. He's he very much falls into that. I mean, I don't know. Does he though? He he. I've always kind of looked at Ditko as the guy who kind of made it out of that that slump of like Stanley kind of screwed over Kirby, and then you had Bill Finger who got screwed over by Kane by Kane, and and Ditko kind of seemed to be the one that made it that made it out of that situation. Well, here's the thing: like he he, he didn't make it out unscathed, I don't think, because he basically became a hermit. I mean, well, yeah. I, the guy wouldn't do any. I mean, it was impossible. To, like, if you ever seen something signed by Ditko, snag that up. That's that's almost might be better than a Kirby autograph at this point, just because of how rare he actually went out and and you know dealt with comic cons, fans. Yeah. Well, he, know, I don't think he ever did, did a con that I can think of in the past at least 10, 20 years. You know what most people did to get his autograph? Sent him shit at his house. Yeah, they wrote him a letter, and he would. So they would write him a letter, and they would ask him a few questions. Then he would send the letter back. Yeah, and at, and at the bottom of it, he'd sign it, and that's what a lot of people did to get his autograph. Yeah, and I, that's what I wanted to do because for a while I was watching all these people who were getting, you know, and it would take a few months. I think he caught on though. I think he did too because it slowed way down. Like, yeah, for a while, for a period of time, it was like everybody seemed like they were getting like a letter in the mail for like probably like a span of like three months you were seeing these non-stop letters and then he's and then they like after that it like trickled like once in a while you see someone post their uh ditko letter but it was it was i mean it was cool i mean like he like thought out and like sat and like wrote you back a letter and then and then you know what i mean i thought that was cool yeah but it wasn't anything like crazy it was like four sentences max right no some of the stuff was long and depending on just what your what you wrote to him yeah, yeah. That's so if you were if you, on. if you were quick, if you were just like, what do you think of this? He would, you know, it would be like a two or three sentences. But the, I seen some people, man, they got a page letter back from him. I think it just depended on topic. Oh, yeah, yeah I, he's probably the, in my opinion, he's the best early Spider-Man artist. I think I don't think there's any in that in those days. You know, like pre seventy maybe, pre seventy five. That's better than Ditko. No, I mean he co-created Spider-Man. You can't. Yeah, but art, artist-wise, you know what I mean. Like well, Spider-Man, yeah. Spider-Man. Uh, until other than Ditko, I, I think there's very few people uh, uh, until like like Romita, right? Yeah. I think Romita mm-hmm. started doing them, and like Daredevil sixteen or something was the first time that Romita did them. But until that, like most of that Spider-Man art was was garbage, unless Ditko did it. And yeah, he did most of the early stuff, but. There was some other stuff that was just garbage unless he did it. No. What do you mean, no, Jose? No, I said no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. That's, that's wrong. You are incorrect, sir. And, and you're right. You're right. He was part of that crew that just, I mean, there's a, there's a few few names out there where they were just, they had their, their hands in all those great uh, concoctions of superheroes that just, you know, knocked it out of the park, and Ditko and Kirby were the team. Like I consider Ditko and Kirby to be the team more than Kirby and Lee. You know what I mean? Just because of, I think how much. I don't know. I look at Stan Lee a little bit different. 
I look at him like uh, the whole Bob Kane type type role rather than the Bill Finger type role. But I don't know. I know there's a lot of people out there that says he gets a bad rap when it comes to that. But well, I mean, if you watch that Robert Kirkman's History of Comics, they they kind of go into the the Stan Lee and um, Kirby situation, and I, I mean, those two didn't like each other, and you kind of get the feeling that that Dicko. Dicko was in the very, very much in the same situation, and it, it wasn't as, as out and as well known as the Kirby situation. But, I mean, Dicko left Marvel. He went to. D, I mean, he, he created. He Captain co-created. Adam. Yeah, he co-created Spider-Man and Doctor oh, Strange no. from Marvel. Then he went to DC and he created. Um, he created Question, and he created Squirrel Girl. He created all of Charlton's characters, yeah. right? Like those main characters. So, I mean, he did his rounds and then eventually came back to Marvel. And then when he came back to Marvel, he kind of got the short end of the stick and was like, yeah, well, welcome back. You're going to be on, you know, drawn shit now. Oh, he created a uh, Hawk and Dove. I mean, I, I think the, the difference with the Stan Lee situation is he got involved with guys that were known for not being quiet, I guess, because, you know, Kirby, Kirby never came off as... Um, a quiet he, person. He didn't want the, the limelight. Right. But, you know, they, they never, you never seen them guys go the way of like Bill Finger who, who died and nobody knew, really knew who he was until people started speaking up for him, you know? Yeah. I think, I, I don't know how many people out there know the, the history, you know, that well that we're talking about, but if any of you guys get a chance, there's, um, that are listening, give a chance. There's, I know Matt's talked probably about this podcast a couple of times, but that the whole Kevin Smith fat man on Batman, um, there are some interviews on there, especially the shows he does with Neil Adams and Denny O'Neill. And Neil Adams was, seems to be that, that guy, that, that person that really brought all that out into the open and really um, helped uh, comic book creators become re- relevant other than just, you know, working in a, you know, like a, a, a boiler room, drawing stuff and really not getting paid for their creations it took neil adams to go hey siegel and schuster didn't get paid uh kirby didn't get paid you know ditko bill finger da, da, da. yeah he said you know what i'm done with this and and i he probably spent a good three years you know going to talking to these old school you know creators that basically created the form and you know these you know there's there's nothing more americana than superman and captain america so um, that weren't getting paid. And Neil, if you get a chance, those podcasts are uh, amazing. So there's a really good, um, also to kind of top up on that. Uh, there's a really good documentary. I don't know if it's still on it, but it was on Hulu called Batman and Bill. And it was all about the creation of Batman and the whole Bill Finger situation with, um, everything that went on with that and how he, he he pretty much died on a, on a couch broken penniless. Yep. And he had absolutely no rights And his, his, um, I think grandkids, I think in his grandkids or, um, nieces and nephews or something along those lines are the ones who are fighting for, for him to get the recognition he deserved as a creator of bat as a co-creator of Batman. I mean, believe what you want. I, I firmly in the stance that, you know, Bill Finger 100% is responsible for Batman. Oh, yeah. You yeah. Know, it, 
Well, here's a funny story. I, I think I've told this to you guys before, but um, I can't remember which con it was. It was it was probably two years ago, three years ago. Stranko came, and uh, you know I'm okay, a big, three years ago. Yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan of creator first, so I, I really search out those those first times you know these creators ever put put their pen to art and got, got published, or you know a first time a writer ever got published and. So uh, when Stranko came, I had uh, his first uh, stuff, which were, I want to say it was E-Man, and it has a little hand on the cover, and he only drew the hand, which is kind of crazy, which he told me about. But uh, Stranko is absolutely, he'll, he'll talk about that stuff, and he'll sit there and he'll hold court. So he, um, he decided, I went to go get his signature, and he's like, uh, some guy came over and he had like one of those big, huge, massive, uh, hardcover books of the Marvel creators. And, you know, he wanted Stranko to sign it. And in, in that book, he had all the creators signed it and something came up about Bob Kane and Stranko just goes, you want me to tell you a story about Bob Kane? And we're me and this one guy are like, yeah, hell yeah. So Stranko goes, uh, none of us like Bob Kane. The guy was a piece of shit. He stole, uh, everything from Bill Finger, and uh, when DC decided to make him, you know, their their quote unquote head of of DC, it was just a he was just a puppet, and they would put him in an office up there, and you know, just to keep him away from everybody, because all he did was act like he was this hot shit, and we're just sitting there going, oh my god, and Stranko just looking at him, they're like, this guy's awesome, you know, he's in a you know really nice suit, he looks like an old school gangster, John yeah. Gotti. He and, really nice. Yeah, and he is just, I mean, he's done to the T, and he's just holding court with, like, three of us, four of us standing there, and he's telling us how nobody liked Kane, and Kane would show up at these events where all the artists and creators would go, and, you know, it was just for the artists. It wasn't like a con or anything back then. These creators would kind of get together and just hang out, and Kane would show up and just make a fool of himself and just act like a pompous ass, so... I guess one time he showed up and uh, Stranko wasn't having it. And Stranko literally said to us, he goes, you ever heard that expression, bitch slap? He goes, I walked up to Bob Kane, looked at him in the face and said, get the fuck out of here and bitch slapped him right in front of everybody. And it was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I just heard that. So if you, another one, if you ever, guys ever get a chance, talk to Jim Stranko, just anything you can. Cool. Yeah, he'll just sit there and hold court that's a perfect example of you know what matt was talking about the whole bill finger thing it's obvious none of the guys they all knew it back then that was in the you know early 70s if they all knew it back then then you know that family was definitely deserving of some money yeah and it's sad that it took them what until batman superman batman v superman to finally get his name on the on attached to a batman property yep so it's, it's, I mean, it's a good thing that Dicko didn't actually get that screw job. He, he got what he, you know, he at least has been recognized as the co-creator of Spider-Man through all his years. And he's, he's, you know, like you were saying, he became a hermit. He was a very kept to himself and still, I don't, I don't think till the day he died, anybody other than Stanley, and I don't even know if Stan Lee knows why why he decided to finally leave Marvel Comics, but I, I kind of have a feeling it can't it had to do around the same situation as 
that's kind of the reason why Kirby left and he just he just didn't want to deal with Stan Lee. Yeah, I'm sure that's what it is. You know, it, I mean, most times when people are like that, you know, they don't they don't really single someone out. You know what I mean? They're they're kind of like that to all. You know what I mean? I, I don't think it was favored more towards one person than another. You know, when when you're kind of egotistic as in a sense, you know, you're not going to just single one person out. And I mean, he he's his legend is tied to Spider Man, but. I mean, like you said, he gave us Doctor Strange, and then he went into DC, and he created the question, and Hawk and Dove, and he created a Blue Beetle, and I so mean, all that stuff was Charlton though, and DC bought it. So I think he went out on his own with those early creators and said they kind of tried to do the whole image thing, you know, we're gonna do stuff away from the big two, and then they did that through Charlton, and then DC bought the Charlton rights after they created all that stuff. But you're right, he did th- those characters were created by Ditko, so. I mean, it's it's a sad day when, you know, we lose a legend in this community. Stan Lee should have shared more of the souls of nerds with him. Well, that that kind of I was going to ask you guys what you think about that. Do you think that maybe he saw some of the bullshit that was going on? Was just like, you know, that's the reason. That's the reason why you really didn't hear from him at all towards the last five years. You know, because he kind of saw the hijinks that was going on. I was like, this is ridiculous. Well, I mean, the the high. Are you talking like the Stanley hijinks? Yeah, even even there's you know some other stuff that's kind of been going on craziness within this industry. You know, the whole Rob Liefeld hijinks. You know, a lot of people do not like Rob Liefeld, and I think the only reason why he's gotten a little bit of leeway on that lately is because of the whole Deadpool craziness. And even he really didn't. I mean, that's almost can be kind of like a whole Bill Finger, Bob Kane type thing if you think about it. Because from what I've heard, Fabian. Yeah, yeah. This, this nice. How do you say his name? I'm a, I'm gonna butcher it. Nesizia, uh, oh, something no, like no. that. Yeah, he uh, he was kind of the main guy that created him, and you know, but uh, anyway, so you know, he, he probably kind of looked at that whole all the the ridiculousness and was like, I want no part of that. I'm a firm believer that in the comic book industry, in I mean, if you disagree with me, by all means, speak up. Um, the comic book industry, I think the credit goes to the person, not the idea man, but it's the person who puts pen to paper to create that character. Who executed it? Who executed it. Right. Correct. I think that's why, that's why, that's why I put Bill Finger over when it comes to Batman, because he had, he's the one that created the character. He came up with, with the Batman. 90% of it. Yeah. I think it kind of takes two to tangle. You got someone who has a vision, but then you've got someone who's putting that vision for the world to see. I think it's, you know, I just think if you're working as a team, the team should have the credit. I think that you're, you're, you're both kind of right. And I points, at least my opinion is back in the day, I like in the pre seventies, you know, I would, I would side more with the artist just because, at least back then when they didn't really have anything to like look on. Like if you look at like Deadpool, a lot of people, well, it's obvious Deadpool is a ripoff of, of Deathstroke, you know, Slade Wilson, Wade Wilson, uh, the swords, the, the, the outfit, everything. So Rob Liefeld was mainly the, the artist on that where he it's obvious that he totally just, just swiped it from, from Deathstroke. Oh, and he lies. He'll, he'll lie through his teeth till he's blue in the face that that's not true. 
Yeah, and, and Nicieza totally should get credit, more credit, because he gave him his backstory. Maybe even more than that, uh, was it Joe Casey that did most of the, the run on that 90-issue run that, or 70-issue run that you know basically gave Deadpool his, his whole, you know, everything about him breaking the fourth wall and his being a comedian more than, because he wasn't really like that in New Mutants. He no. became more like Deadpool. He's more serious. Yeah, he be, became more like Deadpool in that in that Joe Casey. I think it was Joe Casey. Was it Joe Casey? Is it his name? Anyways, like uh, Ed McGinnis was did some of the art. Anyways, but back in the before the you know where you had an, something to rip off, the artists or you know like I, that's why I give Kirby more credit than than Lee. Lee kind of was just throwing stuff out of the wall, hoping to stick. Whereas Kirby's art really, you know, the Hulk. Was, you know, yeah. yeah. Uh, all those characters are so original. And you, the first thing you see is what they look like. Right. And what makes them more in depth and gives you that love for them. Like, you know, people love Batman so much because of who he is and the, the really dark and brooding and stuff. But a lot of people, you, you, you know, as kids, you see that character and you go, that's cool. You know? So it's kind of, I think it's kind of changed, but it's crazy how how that behind the scenes stuff works. Well, I mean, you still got Stan Lee who who tries to take credit for for Captain America, and Captain America was used way before Stan Lee even was involved with Marvel. He he was used as World War II propaganda. Yeah, that was Ditko and Kirby, one hundred percent, right? And then he or Joe it, Simon and, and Kirby. Yeah, and then here comes a fresh faced Stan Lee who just gets hired into Timely before it becomes Marvel and. He's like, oh, he did, and then you know, heard the third issue, I think, of Captain America. Yeah, so he gets he, he gets later. credit for for Captain America when Captain America wasn't even his. Yeah, yeah, I think I think Joe Simon is, uh, uh, unless you're talking to industry people, Joe Simon's the forgotten you know face, right? Because it's all when people that kind of know that history, you always think Simon and Kirby, Simon and Kirby. I don't think Kirby when I hear. Jack Kirby's name. I don't think of Stan Lee. I think of Joe Simon and Kirby, right? Because they they were the originals. They were the timely guys. They were the, you know, back when you know all those guys were really in that boiler room, you know, before Marvel and and creating those characters. So yeah, you're right. It's kind of weird. And you know, a lot of people. I don't think a lot of people, especially newer fans, if you're you haven't been into this fandom long, understand like what how crooked or how really like backstabby comics were back in the day. I mean, you, you had people like Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster who created Superman and they created the first superhero and they sold the rights away for a little bit of money and they kind of got screwed over. Yeah. Not kind of. And right. What was it? Joe, Thanks. I can't remember if it was Schuster or Siegel who went broke pretty much like trying to sue everybody he could to get his, the rights back. And one of them couldn't af- couldn't afford a ticket to even go see the Christopher Reeve movie, and Neil Adams had to pull like when Neil. Ad- this is, harkens back to that Fat Man on Batman. That's that podcast was so amazing, and when you hear Neil Adams say, "I, I went to," I can't remember if it was Siegel or Schuster. One of them was kind of a little bit more like Stan Lee, where he just kind of took credit for stuff that the other guy did. I can't remember which one it was. Like you were saying, Matt, but. He went to go grab one of them. He said he walked in. He was in a you know studio apartment the size of a washroom that only had a cot in it, and 
He literally didn't have the 50 cents to pay for the ticket to go see Superman. And the, the worst part, Warner Brothers, whoever did that Superman movie, didn't even bother to ask him, hey, you're the creator. We're going to bring you to the, to the red carpet or send him a free ticket. So Neil Adams bought his ticket to see that movie because he was so broke he didn't have it. And I think that was the moment where Neil Adams went, this is wrong. That's and, insane to even think about, though. They yeah. signed everything away. Like, they signed everything away. They had no claim to that character anymore. And DC wasn't even going to... Well, it, it fought for years to not acknowledge them. Yep. And it, it really took a lot of back and forth well past their time and their families keeping their fight for them to even get a stake in... Some recognition. Yeah, and recognition in, in creating one of the all-time most recognizable superheroes next to Batman. That's crazy, Superman. though, creating that and then just being just a big old shit being put on you. I mean, that just sucks. Yeah. Just to even, like, it's even hard to wrap your head around, like, why would even people do that? You know what I mean? Like, it should have been shunned in pussy. And I think... <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't... Beating off the stick. Yeah. Superman stick. <laughs> and I think that's why you kind of saw, I, I think that's why kind of you kind of saw that with Ditko and Kirby, where they they probably saw what was going on. Everyone knew what was going on with Schuster and Siegel, and they were like, "You are not going to go out like that. Like we're we're going to get what's ours, or we're going to leave." Like they weren't afraid to leave the all powerful Stanley and Marvel. They went, they both kind of toured around a little bit before their career ended, and now you even see that today with Brian Michael Bendis jumping ship from Marvel, longtime Marvel writer. Now he's signed exclusively with DC. Like you have all these, these big names signing exclusively now because you don't know what's going on in the background, but it's still, even to this day, I don't think the artists get, well, we know the artists don't get the recognition they deserve as much as they, they should because they don't even get health insurance or anything like that. You they have to have that heroes fund to pay for stuff like that. Yeah, definitely for the old artists. That's why like people like George Perez and, and a couple of the other guys are really cool because, you know, they go to these cons and they do their, you know, George Perez does their, his sketches for like, you know, what, what, five bucks or 20 bucks he's charging for a sketch. And all of it goes into the Heroes Con thing. And that's his whole thing because, and then when you ask him, I remember me and Kyle were there and asked him one time, you know, like, like, are you making money off the whole Teen Titans thing? And he's like, oh, yeah. You know, if, uh, I'm making so much money off of it. It's unreal. That's why I do everything for the Heroes Con or the Heroes Fund. And initiative. There, yeah, the initiative. And that's the reason why is because people like Neil Adams and, who, and whoever said this is wrong. And they got to a point where they had to give these guys, you know, a percentage of the money based on the create, the characters they create. Because remember, I asked him, remember, and he gave me a, remember, he said, it's February, because remember, that's when the Amazing Con was. Yeah. He said, it's February, and he gave me a dollar amount, and remember, it was, it was, it was. Like 200000 or something, that, that and he's yeah. never, he's not going to have to pay any of his bills for the rest of the year because of the money he's making off Teen Titans. Yeah, he said, yeah, he said by February, he had already made, you know, all that money. He said, he didn't even, that's crazy. And he only goes to the cons just to be, to interact with the fans. So he's such a cool dude. Hey, so much fun in person. It's really well, sad that he got political though. You, you still even see yeah. that like, even to this day, like I think wasn't it, didn't Tony Moore have to sue Robert Kirkman and AMC to yeah. get rights to the walking dead TV show. 
Yeah. I like mean, he was there another... from the beginning. He helped create it. Why, you know? No, I think the suing happened before the show. So once, cause he's always, his name's always been affiliated with the show, but I think he had to sue prior to it coming out to make sure all that happened. Yeah. I think that's where the rift started, right? Because they, they really fell off pretty early. Yeah. Once that book became, you know, the number one selling non-Marvel or DC title. I mean, he was by that time he was long gone. I mean, he wasn't even doing the covers anymore. So I think that was probably the point where he had to get some of that. Say, Hey, what's going on here? You know, where's my fucking walking dead cheddar. Yep. Yeah. Well, you would think, man, you like, you know, like Kirkman and more, they in, and a lot of these, these teams, like they go through a lot of shit together to work their way up to this point. You think that, I, I wonder what happens and cause it's always one person over the money. other that goes, Ball I know out. it's money, but you're like, you know what I mean? Like you, you, this conversation had to have come up at least once while you guys are sitting there plotting these, you know, these storylines and you're building this, you know, you're just two unknowns trying to build up to, to create something. You got to think, you know, that's never going to be us. We're not going to do that. We're going to stay to our, and then it doesn't happen. I wonder what it is. I know it's money, but it's just like, man, like, like, I, I just can't imagine being in that situation where, like, you're finding, like, you know what? I don't want to fucking share. <laughs> it's, it's really crazy. It is. But, you know, that's why I think that having some of these artists on those podcasts talking about those moments is so important. You know, at least I I can listen to that shit all day. Well, I wasn't think the more Wu-Tang, that people know. Wasn't it Wu-Tang who said it bust, uh Money rules everything around me? Yeah, cream. <laughs> so... And I think that's exactly what it was. It's what, when you're, de- what you're describing Kyle, it's, you know, your buddy, buddy, oh, that'll never happen to us. We'll never, we'll never lose touch with each other. We'll never let everything get big. And then when the dollars start rolling in and people start getting credit, it's like, all right, well, where does the credit go? Who's the, who's the idea man who feels like they're more important than the other person who feels like well, they should be getting the bigger chunk of the pie. I mean, even to the point where you wedge somebody out of the pie, <laughs> where you, you decide you're going to take the entire pie. You know what I mean? Like you, you start this venture and you're like, okay, it's us, you know? And then all of a sudden you're like, you know what? I want this apple pie to myself. I just, I don't know. Just because you sit there as a team and you like, and you work and you work and you try and and you're pedaling and you're doing your thing and you guys are together all the time trying to make this work and all, I don't know. Like my mind doesn't work like that. Like I don't think, I don't even think getting that far. I don't even think I could do that to somebody, especially when I've been side by side in the trenches, fucking trying to make this becomes, you know, make this become something. I don't think I can go. Maybe, maybe it was an Amy, an Amy walked into their lives. You and I have had this conversation about this very show and, and Kellen, you and I have had this conversation many a times. Like I, I still like, even on the website, I Kell- I credit Kellen for being a creator of the show. Cause he helped me create this, but he's no longer here. And, and you've kind of said to me many times, why, why do you give him that credit? He's no longer here. He left. It's game over for him. Like, I understand, like, he gets the credit, but, like, you know, like, even, like, I was talking about the website. Why put him on the website? It's been, when was the last show that he's been on? It's been, oh, yeah. You know, like, maybe, like, an asterisk or a footnote, but I don't think he deserves, <laughs> like, like, 
and you know, it would be different if he was still here. I wouldn't have that that mentality towards it. But my thing is, is it's it's. I think it's different between like working at it and trying, and we've built it and we've built it up, and then you work someone out, and you know, then you don't give them credit. But if you walk away from something, then. I, I, I get that you should get a credit, a footnote, an asterisk, something, but to 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 constantly be considered. Tony, Tony Moore could have walked away from it. We don't know. He but he didn't know that. Like in he, this, he could have. You're right. He could have. But like you with know? this show, like I give him that credit because I feel like it it's it's deserved. I don't want to be that guy, so I give him that credit because he it rightfully so. He came in and he helped me start this. But he's not here anymore. So when if you want to ask me who do I credit for the success of the show, Brian. who do I credit for? Yeah, Brian. <laughs> who do I credit for helping me build the show and bringing it to where it is now? The credit goes to you and Jose. That credit doesn't go to him. So if we were to start making hand over fist money or being making the point where we're making money to do this professionally without, and you know. Killing our serious. job, I could feel it. He can't. He would <laughs> have nothing to. Say. He would be part of the show now. Then all of a sudden he'd be back. Hey guys, what's up? Yeah, right. He'd be all up in it. But like I'm saying, it would it would be he wouldn't get any of that because he wasn't part of. He was part of the initial, but he wasn't part of what Building. what it is now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of little things that go into those types of situations. That's 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 the like, thing I that mean, we all know. Hope. He always deserves that credit of creator and founder. Yeah. But yeah. Just like no if, ands, or buts about it. Just like they always, every Batman, you know, book you open, it says created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger. Or every and Superman it, book you open, it says created by Siegel and Schuster. So it's always, they, they have to kind of have to do that now or they look like assholes. So. I just think his picture should be smaller on the website. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, make it, I'll make it like a thumbnail for you. There you go. Perfect. So if you click on it, it'll get bigger. There you uh, go. <laughs> but it, it's just something you kind of just passed by. You think it's an ad? <laughs> I just, I just not trying to. I'm not trying to bill finger anybody. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, Kellen yeah. deserves, deserves all the credit. Hello. I mean, he sat in a hot ass fucking master bedroom closet <laughs> <laughs> and recorded. High-end gummy bears. <laughs> yep. I don't uh, think that show will ever get released, man. Oh, I think it got... It didn't get out? I think it got put out. Did it, it get did. put out? Yeah, I, I remember. Okay, okay. That was crazy, man. I didn't <laughs> think it was going to get that nuts. Those were strong. <laughs> it just... You just got nuts. Yeah, yeah. You went from, I t- you I went t- from zero to 60. <laughs> yeah, well, it's because I didn't take half of one. I took three of them. <laughs> <laughs> go hard or go home, right? That shit was that dude. Remember that? There was like five. Was there like five of us in there that night? I mean, I put an episode out where Jose threw up. So I mean, why wouldn't I put <laughs> still the best? I am going there. So, oh man, how you feeling, Jose? You, you got any um any crazy reactions lately? Um, just two weeks ago, um, on Fourth of July, that that weekend. Yeah, that's um, what I'm. That's why I'm asking. That's that's really the only thing. Like today, my right eye started swelling up a little bit. That's like, that's called allergies, Jose. Mm. It's from the dust. It happens to everyone. 
But other than that, nothing else. Good. I'm going to see my rheumatoid, rheumat, rheumatologist tomorrow. So we're going to see, you know, what's going on with that. Good. All these allergies stuff. For all you guys who are f- listening, Jose is actually uh, 72. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's what I feel like now. Speaking of that, fucking Stan Lee, man. He's so like, apparently this this power entertainment situation is is find found some sort of of end, and I think after he got appointed a new caretaker and a new head of his his fortune or his whatever you estate, it's kind of starting to turn things around for him because at least this law he'd finally dropped the lawsuit against Power Entertainment, and I guess they came to some kind of conclusion where now he's involved with all of his social media stuff and. They released a post today, clearly edited. You can see the jump cut in it. It's clearly yeah. an edited post, but man, he looks terrible. He sounds terrible. He sounds terrible. And then he makes a joke about being 78 years old. And I'm like, I don't know if this man actually believes that he's 78 years old or if he's just like delusional because he runs with it. He, you know, he's in his 90s and not his 70s because he's yeah. like 78 like years ago. He's for like, him. I feel way older at 78 than I did at 75. And I'm like, are, are you serious right now? Do you think that he actually just made that was a mistake? I don't know if it was a mistake or if it was his attempt at a joke. <laughs> but like he was like, it, it, he's all kind of like slumped over. And he's like, oh, true believers, it's me, Stanley. I hope you haven't forgotten about me. And it's Nick like, here sounds like a. Yeah, he sounds like he's like going to croak over he sounds like he smoked like 40 packs a day i don't even think the real stanley is alive anymore at this point i think that like it's he's, he's like all he's coked up yeah yeah i think like they coke him up to put him in front of the camera he doesn't know what the hell's going on to give him like an adrenaline shot <laughs> yeah right the blood of nerds or something because it's just every time like there's times you see him and I guess it just has to do with old age where he looks good and spry. But ever since like the sexual harassment allegations came out, he's, he's looked like his life is over. Uh, I, I think that people don't realize like that war that he's fighting right now, isn't just with, with people that, you know, he doesn't care about. So there's, there's family members in that war. There's people that basically are family members, just not blood that's probably taking a toll on him. And well, then there's in the middle. Yeah, of exactly. So that's, and the Grim that's Reaper staring at him. Yeah. Mm. That's scary shit. And he that's doesn't have his wife around. anymore. The Grim Reaper keeps tapping his watch. I mean, he's been the number one pick on Kyle's death pool for what? Five years now. Motherfucker <laughs> won't die. <laughs> he sucks the blood of nerds. And I think, I think we're starting to see though, like how much his wife really played a role in his situation and seeing how much she really kept everyone at bay. I think she was definitely the sharper of the two. And she, she kind of kept the reins tight on what was going on with him. And that once she died, man, it was, I thought for sure, but how close they were. And they've, I mean, their, their love story, like they have a huge, a beautiful story of how they met and got married. And like their, their relationship history is, is absolutely like storybook type stuff. But, just I once she died, man, I thought for sure. I, I said three months, three months and he's gone. Because that's I mean, once you Probably lose something like that. Ago. Yeah. <laughs> right? Once you lose something like that, it's hard to recover from. And I mean he did it, but 
he's been in and out of the hospital and then the allegations of sexual assault and then suing everybody and people stealing his blood to sign comics. And it's just like the saga just keeps going and going and going and going and going. And then this whole power entertainment thing where they sold the company out from underneath him. He didn't know about it. And now all of a sudden it's like, oops, I guess I did know about it. Like, I don't, I don't understand what's going on. So obviously there's, there's more to the story that's not coming out, but it's, it's good to see that that at least got somewhat situated and, and things are getting a little bit back to normal for him. And he's not doing things all crazy and willy nilly. And, and I think that's what it was. I think people were just doping him up or, or giving him too many pills or something and to where they could manipulate the shit out of him. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's a cash cow like no other right now. I mean, that's what me and Matt are too. Cash cows. <laughs> yeah. You, you think about some of the stories that people are talking about when they're signing, he's over there signing his books. I, I would never send a Captain America, you know, one or whatever they're selling or Captain America three or sending over an X-Men number one or whatever to for, have him sign and just scribble on at this point, because it's all he's doing. It doesn't even look like a signature anymore. So no, it doesn't. I have two books. I have, I have a Spider-Man book. Um, was it Spider-Man? I think I'm going to send Spider-Man 700 just because it, it just came out and I was at his convent, his Stanley Kamikaze. And I was like, fuck it. I'm going to get a Stanley autograph. It was only $60. I'm going to get it while I can. And then I got him to sign 121 in my, my 700. The signature looks flawless. It looks like a Stan Lee. And then, yeah, 121 a couple of years ago when he's here in Phoenix, it's all like scribbled on. Like it's like his handler's guide where his hand goes. And then he just scribbles. Yep. At some point they're just going to have a machine that mimics his signature and he's just going to put his hand in it and go. Sad. Or you're going to walk up and pay $200 for a Stanley autograph and they're just going to pull out a stamp and he's just going to start stamping your books. They're going to lift his arm up and drop it. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like the, the, the chicken that used to drink water. Right. But oh, the, yeah, the headless chicken. No, no, it's the uh, plastic chicken. Like the, remember the water episode the of bottom? The Simpsons? Oh, Homer yeah. figured it out and all he had to do was just push that one key and he left and he got real fat and he had to wear a muumuu because he had the chicken that drinks water clicking the button for him to do his job. <laughs> and, then, and then that one time where he had to push a different button, he wasn't there and it, it clicked uh, meltdown. Yeah. And he had to go and, ah! it's going to be something like that. But yeah, it's sad to see a legend like that pass, but we're getting to that point where there's not very many comic book legends left alive. Nope. No, they're all becoming the comic book creators that we grew up with instead of the creators, right? Right. The real creators. Creators with a capital C. Yeah. The Before it was cool to be superheroes and then everyone went to westerns and yeah. But it stinks. Like it's hard to, you know, pay homage. How do you really pay homage to a man like Steve Ditko nowadays? You know, read... Go read some old Spider-Man. Go see if you can find some old Spider-Man and, and read some old Ditko Spider-Mans. Like, it's it's sad that he shut himself off and spent a lot of his life in obscurity, but maybe that's what made him happy. Maybe for a reason. Yeah. Reason yeah, we'll never know. Boat, if, that, if that made you happy, then do it. But we got to move on here. We'll keep on the topic Spider-Man, though. This week, 
we had the no- first issue of the new Spider-Man creative team come out uh, with Ryan Otley and um, what's his name? Something Spencer. Mm-hmm. Nick Spencer. Nick Spencer. Um, and, you know, I liked it. I, I liked it a lot. It was just nice not having Slot write it. Yes. Mm-hmm. It seems like they're finally going to... Um, Start on the right foot. Well, not just that, but they're going to undo all of the horridness that came along with uh, One More Day. Mm-hmm. Thank and God. They're going to undo all of the the Peter Mary Jane stuff, finally. Um, something, stuff that Dan Slott teased that he was going to do and never actually um, fulfilled or carried out. Who balls it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it was a big issue. Uh, I like the story. I'm I'm a little on the fence about about Otley's art. It was a little too cartoony for me, and I like Ryan Otley as an artist. So hopefully that was just a a one off, and it gets better going forward. But uh, I I really liked it, and like I said, I'm, I'm glad that they're they're taking the steps to undo the horrid disaster that was One More Day. I saw a, a couple of really cool covers. Uh, I think that they were maybe San Diego Comic-Con covers by Mark Brooks. Did you guys get a chance to see those? No, it's, I haven't. It's um, Peter and, and Mary Jane on the cover. They're just kind of like embracing. Those are really gorgeous covers. And I guess it was, they didn't want to release it too early and, and, and uh, leak it. But uh, when I saw that, I was really happy to know that they were ending all that bullshit. Mary Jane should always kind of be part of Peter's life, right? I mean, that's like a, uh, Batman and Robin, Superman and Lois. There's no reason to take that out. No. Yeah. Nope. I mean, what what did you think overall of the uh, of the first issue, though? I'm I'm excited for the the series. Like, it was nice to have a new, fresh voice taking over Peter Parker, and it was. I liked how he kind of went back to. It, it it feels like it feels like he laid out all of Dan Slott's time on Spider Man. He was like, all right what did he do good in the last few years that fans are really, really keyed in on? And the answer was uh, superior Spider-Man. So this issue has a lot of undertones and callbacks to superior Spider-Man. Like at the beginning of it, Peter, Peter Parker gets, you know, he's with the Kingpin is now the mayor of New York and he's trying to pretty much buy Spider-Man. And he's like, I'm going to crush him by taking away everything that is important to him in his. Reputation. I like that. Like he, he has a whole different plan for other superheroes, but Spider-Man, he's got an agenda, right? Like he, he's got him singled out. And I thought that, like, I like that he, he was, he's trying to give him the key to the city, and Spider-Man was like, "Ooh, oh, I can unlock all kinds of doors." And he was like, "Wait a second, yeah, I'm not this, no." And he like takes off out the window. Like, I thought and that I, was actually kind of cool. And I like that they played like. Dan Slott spent a lot of time setting up Peter Parker for more. He was the head of Parker Industries, and then he, when Otto took him over, he got him his his degree, and he made basically made him finish school and got him his degree. And I like that it's calling back to that, where it's ousting him now, and he's being accused of plagiarizing a paper by Otto Octavius when it was actually Otto Octavius and Peter's body that did it. And he's like trying to explain that to everybody, and like nobody's believing him, and like his aunts his aunt is disappointed in him and like all of his relationships are, are now in, in a rocky state. And I just like, 
how it's it's calling back to that and it's bringing up stuff that fans connected with and enjoyed and it's kind of rehashing the the spider-man story and revisiting it and and you get to see a little bit of mysterio in it and then you you got a can't you got a new villain at the end of the book that nobody knows who it is yet so i think this book had a little bit of everything I mean, I, I'm I'm excited. I'm just I'm just you know what? I'm just gonna be happy just to start reading Spider Man again. It, it's just gonna be nice to read Amazing because it's been I haven't read it in so long. It's just I don't know. I think it's just nice to have that back on my pull list. Yeah, it's your go to. That's your guys' go to characters. That's... Like it, it just it just feels right again. Just having that, you know what I mean? Like I went to get my books on Wednesday, and the Amazing Spider Man was part of it. Yeah, and I, and I I found that one in fifty cover, Matt. Did you? Got sixteen bucks. Where? eBay. Oh shit! Because yeah, yeah. Samurai wanted thirty for it. I searched and I just was looking through and I was looking through Did you and buy I just, it? yeah I bought it. <laughs> it's a dope cover, man. Who did yeah. it? Um, I don't I don't know who did it, but it it's just it was just a cool looking cover, like. Let me look at it. I just, I just dug it. Yeah, you me, got me looking it up right now. Because Matt showed it to me, and I was like, "Oh man, that's that's awesome." Well, because I mean, they had they had a um, a Ramita cover, so Ramita did a cover for it, and then I think there's another cover where him and Junior did a cover. It's Jerome Opino. So, yeah, Jerome Opino. Yeah. But yeah, it's the one in fifty. What what does it look like? Is it him? Oh, I see it. That is dope. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to buy one right now. <laughs> <laughs> that is sick. So, I mean, this was a pretty, like, I finally did. I finally sat down. Now that we're talking about comics, I finally sat down and read Batman 50. You know what? I'm going to give it to the New Times did not, not New Times, the New York Times. It's yes, it kind of spoiled it, but there was so much more to that book that, in in essence, like the build up to that and everything that was going on, all the different artists and and the way it was was his thoughts to her thoughts to the story going on behind back to well, it's the letters that they wrote each other is what and, you're seeing over the the variant covers, and it's just awesome. Like I mean. Like it, that was, you know what, man? I, I don't know how anybody can shit on Tom King for how he's writing this book, because like this issue was fucking awesome. I mean, it, it, this is probably I put it up in one of my top reads that I I thoroughly enjoyed. Like I, I read it twice. I, you know what I mean? My problem I, with it isn't that the issue it's the fact that he came out and said this is going to be a hundred issue arc like this is the first 50 of a hundred issues in the story oh, well. yeah that's of catwoman and batman that's where he killed it yeah in it's like okay you know you're like you just swallowed like look how long it took it felt like from when they announced what was going to happen that was in batman 50 how long it took him to actually get to that issue it felt like an eternity and then you have to sit back and go, oh, man. So we have another 50 issues to get a conclusion to this. 
And now yeah. it feels like he's rehashing because he's going back into the Bane storyline. So it feels like he's going back to what the like second or third arc in his run. Where I like how he Cat gave the head nod to the Brit. Like, like that was his way of breaking the bat. I, I, yeah. I, 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 I thought that was really cool. I mean, spoilers to everybody who didn't read it, but because that's the last page. But whatever. And I love that James Gunn, of all fucking people, the director of Guardians of the Galaxy, came out after Dan Slott pointed fingers at us at this community for spoilers. James Gunn came to our defense and said, listen, if you write a good story and you make a good movie, spoilers won't fucking matter. Exactly. Yep. If, if you make a good movie, spoilers aren't going to affect the movie, the good storytelling. It's true because if, if, if a couple good parts are spoiled, that then, you know, it's just like those movies where you watch, where you finally watch it and you're like, fuck, all the good parts were in the commercials or in the trailers. He's right. If it's a good story, it truly doesn't spoil it because there's so much good around it. Like there's so much awesomeness. So I, I kind of see that. But you know what? And the same note, I really don't want any of it spoiled because I'm so excited to go see it. I don't want to like because if you know one chunk, then you're anticipating that chunk through the movie. And then I like how Nick Spencer, the new writer of Spider-Man, came out and said, "We're not going to release any spoilers. We're not going to make that dis- mistake." If you want to know, we want our readers to pick up the book and be surprised as it happens. So we're not releasing any spoilers. You want oh, he said it was going to take out? 150 issues. You find something out, it's gonna, it's gonna happen. In the you're gonna you're gonna figure it out when you pick up the book, which I like that too. But it shouldn't be like that, though. I was just super stoked that James Gunn came out and said, "You, you know what? Honestly, it it shouldn't matter because if the story is good enough, a spoiler won't affect it." Yeah, that's the truth. Amen to that. So, what what was your th- overall thoughts of Spider-Man, Kyle? Like I said, I just I, I thought it was good. I thought it was refreshing. I said, you know what? I like Otley's art. It is going to be a little bit of an adjustment because you know. But I think overall, I think it's going to be like anything else. I think after four or five issues, it's just going you're going to be used to it. If it doesn't really do a whole lot of change, which I I don't see it. It would be kind of weird for it to look like this in the first issue. Then all of a sudden it looks way different the next issues. So I think it's just something that we're just going to, it's just going to be the way it is. We're going to get used to it. It's going to be fine. And we're, and eventually I think we're going to come around and be like, you know what? I see. I see it. Okay. I'm good. I'm good with it. But overall, I'm just, it's, I'm just happy to be reading amazing Spider-Man again. And it's cartoony to me in the sense that like when you, when he does, when he shows like far away faces, like, when Peter's web slinging away and you see um, she Hulk and black cat fighting these swarms of bugs, their, their faces are all wonky and weird looking. Yeah. And it's very, very cartoony. And it reminds me a lot of like Japanese animation style and, and things like that, where their faces are all wonky or just two dots in a line from far away or, or whatever. They're not asymmetrical. They're all messed up and slanted, but God damn, can he draw the shit out of Mary Jane? Oh my god, like, she looks fucking awesome. Like, like when you open up that first page and they're sitting there on top and he's like holding her. Like, you're like yeah, like that's my problem with with J. Scott Campbell is that all of his faces look like cats, and all the women look like cats to me. But god damn, can Ryan Otley draw the shit out of Mary Jane? Yeah, he's got that fucking like. 
I, I think he's had that one like in a book. Like I think he's got like a his own sketchbook full of her that's on his shelf that like he's been waiting for this day. But super super excited for that. It was a really good um first issue. And I'm excited to see where it goes. But uh So I have one quick thing from uh a listener that he had a question for us. Oh shit. Okay. This is from Joe. So Joe's been a you know, he's been a long time listener. What Joe Oh, Jojo. Okay. Yeah. He said uh, he had a topic. He wanted to know what was it, what everybody thinks is the cheapest way to read comics that you're not that interested in and you're not collecting. Torrent. So he wants, yeah, that's what I do. I torrent it. And Sorry, I, like, I, didn't mean, I didn't mean to mess that up. But no, that's no, it's easy. cool. That's what I do. I, I torrent it and then I have, uh, what's it called? Like It's called like Comic Reader. Yep, CBR. And uh, yeah. Yeah. and it, it's cool because the way you torrent it and you download it, and then when you bring it up, the way it works is you click it and it flips the pages. So it's, it, it gives you that, even though it's digital, it gives you that feel of flipping the pages. And it's, so, I guess we probably shouldn't, should suffice that by saying um, torrents can be illegal, but you know. Don't download. Buy, yeah. Go to your local comic book store and buy yeah. it. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't even torrent. I just look it up, Google search it, and put in search the PDF file for it, and it's easy enough I mean, to find. Yeah. Like, I know a guy, he's got an app on his Android that the comics are just on there, and that's how he always read Walking Dead because he just put the comics on there, and he just can read it free. I don't remember what the app was, but there was no torrenting. There's no downloading. It just That's just something that, you know what I mean? It was just on the app. I went through a phase, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago when, when torrenting first started and I realized that people were putting, uh, you know, comics up there and I probably downloaded every single, uh, there wasn't a comic that wasn't printed that, that, or that wasn't up there on torrent. I probably have, I don't know, 500 gigabytes or a terabyte full of every single comic ever printed up until, (laughs) you know, 10 years ago. So it can get a little crazy, but. You know, if, there's nothing like owning that book, that that special book. But sometimes, you know, sometimes you just don't want to like, you know, like like for a lot of us, you know, like I have Amazing Spider-Man one through seven hundred. You know, digital, I, I'm not I'm probably never going to have an Amazing Spider-Man one to probably, you know, what I mean, I'm not going to have. So those are going to be the closest that I'm going to have to it so that if I do want to go back and read those, I have the ability. Yeah. What about you, Jose, Mr. Quiet? Um, I didn't read it. No, what are you? What, you're not even paying attention. <laughs> yeah. I didn't read either. <laughs> you didn't read I, all of them. You know what? In this day and age, Google is your best friend. The yeah, question amen. was, what is the cheapest way to read a comic that you're not really that sure you're into? Oh, um, was it the podcast reviews of the comics? That's what you do, Jose? Yep. Well, that's that's something I got to say real quick. I really, you know, that's one of the things that I really liked uh, that you guys did for a while is you guys, especially with Walking Dead, because I don't, you know, I don't buy my, I don't Wednesday Warrior it anymore. So a lot of the times I only hear what's going on in Walking Dead, Walking Dead when Matt and Kyle, you know, do their reviews on it. So that is definitely a, a way, um, you know, there's a lot, you know, this podcast all, does it every once in a while. And, yeah. 
Yeah, I miss comic book reviews too. There's not, you know, there's some sort of nostalgia in there about pissing Jose off and just having playing safety dance. Oh, that was so <laughs> awesome. I'm just going to play my video game. Yeah. <laughs> I miss doing comic book reviews. Yeah. It's tough though nowadays. It's tough. Oh, it's just so busy. Like I yeah. started, I finally have gotten around to reading the uh, Bendis Man of Steel. Is it any good? You know what? I because of that, I bought Superman number one on Wednesday. Huh. Like, I mean, I I really liked it. I really like. I mean, but I really like Bendis's writing. Like, you know, like I'm like Matt. I, I mean, Matt won't go his feet. He his dislike for Superman trumps reading Bendis writing it. But you know, um, I just I thought I thought it, I I liked where he's going with it. I liked what it did. And you know what? I think if you're if you were on the fence about picking it up, I think it's six issues before Superman one. It's Man of Steel. I, it's worth picking up. I got like I've got. I mean, I admit I've only I only got like four issues in. I got two more to go, but I mean it. It was. It's really good. I'm not paying for it. You're not going <laughs> to convince me. I don't blame you. I liked it though. And you know, it, it's kind of cool because I've really never been a Superman guy. So, you know, reading it, it's kind of it's kind of new to me. You know, everybody knows about everybody knows a lot about Superman, but it's you know, it's it's different. I liked it. Bendis is a good writer, though. Yeah, he is a good writer, but I'm not gonna read Superman. <laughs> Fuck him. I'm with you. I don't read I'm Superman either, unless he's in Justice League and. Just doesn't do it for me. No. I mean, Fl- Flash. Even though Matt thinks it's a dumpster fire, Flash this week was pretty good. They've made it now, so no Flash can time travel. It, oh it, God! It, it's been canceled out. There's nothing they can do now. For now, how they sure. how they do that? So, spoiler uh, alert. Yeah, it came out yesterday, so there's a spoiler, but. So Zoom kind of tricked Wally and Barry. He kind of tricked them, and and what happened is is them tricking him and ch- and chasing him. They they unlocked the hyperforce. There's other forces too, right? There's like there's like a mage force or something like that for like magic and shit. Yes. So what they were what Zoom got him to do was unlock the hyperforce. And with this, it, and then they figured it out. And so Wally released this power. And when he released his power, it sucked them all out and it brought them back. It brought them back to Central City and it brought them back to the timeline from the 25th century back to today. But doing that and unleashing that power, it, it made it so nobody like, like, like Cold can't travel back to the 25th century now where he's actually from. And it, it just, it totally cut off all time travel. So nobody know and and uh and it's it's kind of it's it's kind of cool. So it's sent Barry and and uh, Wally somewhere else, and it's sent Zoom with Kid Flash and and uh, Iris and everybody. So nobody knows that that Zoom is actually in a Flash costume. So he's oh, actually like, he's actually hanging out with them, and he's like, uh, and they're talking to him like he's Barry. 
And so, and and now Wally and Barry are there. They got like spit out like in like Iceland or somewhere cold, like they're Denver or something like that. I don't remember. <laughs> From <laughs> Iceland to Denver, somewhere like that, somewhere where there was <laughs> snow, and they're running as fast as they can to get back because that's what's going on. And then, and then I'm not going to release a spoiler. Like when that happened, it let somebody else out. I mean, I'm not going to spoil that part. Uh, for it's you, already but. out there. It's already way out there. So yeah. But I mean, I I don't know. I don't think it's a dumpster fire. Like I didn't rip it up. I didn't set it on fire like Matt thought I was going to. <laughs> I was busting your book. <laughs> I I mean I I think I just wanted to see you eat the book. I, I, I was so close. I'll rip it up for less than that. <laughs> but I mean I I'm gonna stick to it, man. I think Flash is one of the better books that's being written right now. And with Matina doing the covers, it's just like. It's like icing on the cake. That's yeah, a good those... deal right there. I'll rip it up for less than that. Right. And he's doing the just the Suicide Squad covers too, Matina. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Matina's almost like Del Otto for me right mm-hmm. now. Like they're just they're those guys' hands are gonna fall apart, all the books that they're drawing. They're oh just... man, I don't even know. They they must they're sitting in a boiler room right now. Right. Like oh, they're they... having a stroke back there. Listen to him. I, mean... I thought he was just watching porn. <laughs> <laughs> Oh well sounds. But so yeah, Joe, to answer your question, I guess we all just Google. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Or find an app. I yeah. Google three times today. I wish I remembered, but it, I mean it's been like two years since I talked to the guy about it, but he that's what he said. He said, Yeah, man, I just got this app and I read walking dead every month and I don't have to download it, it's just on my phone and I guess to get to keep up with it. And I'm like, man. And I, I remember I asked him, but like I asked him, but I cared, but I didn't care. I think I was like, "Oh yeah, that's oh, yeah that, that that app, yeah." I, you know, pretend like I knew or something. I don't know. Like you gave a shit. Yeah, unfortunately. And now I come around. I'm talking about. It, and I'm like, "Oh fuck! I should have paid attention." All right, Jose. What's up? Well, you can sh- up rise and shine, buddy. Click out mm-hmm. the porn, buddy. What did What did you think of Ant Man? Um. I I liked it uh, for the most part. There are some parts where the CGI was very obvious, and then there are some other parts where the story, you know. So you mean okay? What? I, Go ahead. So they have these they have these, these team of people that do CGI, and you think once in a while they're like, "Hey, new guy, do this part real quick," and it's off or what? It look. It reminds me of the Matrix number two. Like, why would they go through all that trouble and have all these people to have certain know. scenes that don't do? You know what I mean? I think yeah. there's still some things that the human body looks funny trying to do, and no amount of CGI is going to be able to correct. I agree. Was it the same kind of things every time? That like, what was it that made it look funny? I like, mean, it's what like was going on? Split second things. So it's you know like the you know with the Batman and Wasp going from big to small. There's like certain parts where. Where he had a huge yeah, cock and a small body. Really, I it, thought that it, was done flawlessly. Like, <laughs> there are some parts, like not a lot, like let's say five out of like a hundred, where it looks cartoony. So they went big to small a hundred times in that movie. No, I'm just saying they do it quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I imagine they would. That's their thing. Was it funny? I I some enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, there's some jokes that were like really. Really bad dad jokes. Really Disney. 
yeah, Disney jokes. I enjoyed it a lot. My problem is, is like, you know, the last couple of Disney movies or last couple of Marvel movies, you had Black Panther and then you had Infinity War where they had two really strong villains. Like you got behind, um, uh, what's his face from Black Panther? I can't think Killmonger. And then you got behind, you felt for Thanos at times during Infinity War. You really didn't have that in Ant-Man and Wasp. Ghost. It was very, yeah, it was a very weak. Um, the way they presented Ghost was weird. Um, I think, and, and I have a theory here, and I don't know if I want to go into it because it might be kind of spoilery for people who haven't seen Ant-Man and Wasp. I haven't seen it. Don't spoil but, shit. But no, I, I'm joking. I don't care. I think the way the X-Men come into the Marvel Universe is going to have something to do with the Quantum Realm. I thought they were talking about that's how the they were like they said that that's how the Fantastic Four were coming back. That that could be too, but like that's what like what I'm reading on the internet is that like the the Fantastic Four is what's come like Ant Man. It was paving the way for Fantastic Four to come back. Well, hmm. when they rescue, um, when they rescue Hank Pym's wife, when they rescue the original Wasp. She comes out and she tells Hank Pym, she was like, you know, it's the quantum zone. It, it changes you. It's more like an evolution. So I, they essentially, and they build this gate to try and like send a spaceship in there to try and find her. And I think in doing that, when they open the gate, I think they're, they're going to say it has some kind of effect uh, that can be felt. And it, it changes people's DNA to make a mutation because there's been no speak of mutants. They've done everything they can to write off mutants. And make sure the word mutant isn't anywhere in these Marvel films. Through Maybe it'll be the Extastic Four. So I think I think that's the quantum realm is going to play a lot into how mutation happens to where you the, to explain the mutants because even Pietro and Wanda they weren't mutants they were got their powers because they were experimented on. Yeah, it's cheesy. Yeah, so they had to do it though, right? Well, if they wanted mm. Wanda in that, yeah. <laughs> but you know, I just I enjoyed it. But I think that I think that's going to be a movie that you got to kind of put in the back of your mind that it's it. They're going to use that to launch the next phase of of Marvel, especially with the merger. If that goes through and they get the rights for all these characters back and they start bringing them into the universe, that's. I think Ant-Man and Wasp is going to be that movie that just slingshots everything. Did uh, the, Is the merger still on ice? I mean, it's not happening. It is happening. Is there any news on that? They're supposed to vote on the 27th, I think it is, or 25th. or I know it's a couple of weeks. They're supposed to vote. Um, the Fox board is supposed to get together and vote on whether they want to accept Disney's bid. And then once they voted on the merger, then it's got to go through the government to see if it's a monopoly. But that might not even go through because the what AT and T and Time Warner just merged, and then now they're trying to overturn that merger. So it's who knows if it's actually ever going to go through. Hmm. I still see it as if it doesn't go through, Disney buys their properties back. Like, I I think that's essentially what's going to happen. I really hope so because. I think it's a travesty that we're not seeing the X-Men in this world. I could care less yeah. about Fantastic Four, but the X-Men, I think, is... is you got to have so the X-Men in that in that, that whole Avengers world. There's so much behind the X-Men, too. Like Wolverine, especially. 
Yeah. Know. Yeah. It's a bummer that it's just, there's so many situations that can be just so much better. And not just that, you know, I guess, you know, what? I should take that back. I do care about the Fantastic Four, but not for the Fantastic Four, just for Silver Surfer and, you know, Galactus and, and the Skrulls and, you know, all the villains, Doctor Doom. I think those are probably some of the best characters in comics that you can build off of, do some really cool shit with. And they just, they can't, it can't be done right now for some stupid reason. I don't know why they don't want to play together. Yeah, I mean, it, all the money to, that could be made. Yep. Yeah, this this is actually a really slow news week because we're getting ready to gear up. What next week is San Diego Comic Con? Oh yep. yeah. So all the, the, the big companies on. are are keeping everything tight, 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 and to release it at Comic Con. But the one thing that did came out is it looks like Marvel is kind of they're going to put all their eggs in the Spider Man basket because it sounds like um, they're rebooting Spider Gwen. And now she's gonna be she's gonna get a new code name of like I think it's like Shadow Spider or something like that. Yeah, spy, Spider Ghost, right? Spider Ghost. There you go. Yeah. And then Octavius is getting his bo- own book, Superior Octopus. Oh. So, I think that's a great character, but in his Not Peter Parker alone. clone body. Yeah. Hmm. But that's so far. That's all that's leaked out from Marvel, but. We should be getting more Walking Dead news. Like I know they're starting to release set photos. You're going to get the trailer for season nine of The Walking Dead. So Kyle and I will tear that apart and dissect it and put it back together when it comes out. Um, there's a lot of shit going on at Comic-Con this year. So sadly, we're not going to get any Avengers 4 um, sneak peeks because according to the Russo brothers, they're just now getting in to edit it. So unless they edit something quick as like a sneak peek for Comic Con goers, I don't think you're gonna you're gonna see that. Um, yeah, who really knows what's gonna happen? I just expect a lot of good stuff coming out of San Diego. It's there usually is. Jose will be there on Sunday, right or Saturday, right? Saturday. Yep. So if you're there Saturday, look for the Chonga in the wild. I will be wearing a John Raffio John Raffio shirt only at the moon. John Ralphio, look out for Jose. <laughs> Before we wrap yeah. it up, Jose, I got to get your opinion and yours to you, Brian. What do you guys think about Billy D. Williams coming back to play uh, Lando Calrissian in the next Star Wars movie? I That's think it awesome. should have happened in the last one. Yep. You think he should have been there? Yeah, 100%. They should have had a little bit of him, you know, like him finding out about Han dying or something. Yeah. There was rumors of it. There was like a couple rumors of it at first. And then, you know, they didn't want to say anything. And then, you know, Billy D. Williams came out and said, ah, no, I'm not in it. And there were still kind of some rumors that like maybe he might be lying or they, you know, he just doesn't want to talk about it. So I know I was looking forward to it. I think, I think that character is one of the best characters ever created. I mean, and uh, I, I really, and bummed that they decided not to continue on with the, you know, the, the other movies, just because I think that they, they could really do some damage with uh, what's his name playing a young version of him. So if they had a Han and, and uh, Are you like Donald Glover, Oh man, he fucking killed it. And, and if they had like a, a, a Han Donald Glover, Chewbacca type of, you know, good cop, bad cop type you know, story, they could really play well off of that stuff. So 
he's got a funny story about that. I guess when he landed the role of um, Lando Calrissian, Don Glover said his mom called him. It was like, there's very few iconic black roles in Hollywood, and this is one of them. So you better not fuck it up. Otherwise, mm-hmm. don't show your face around the house yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Good to see that he he did a good job with that. Um, yeah. Last story before we kick it out, get out of here tonight. Oh, John? What's up? The Papa John's. Um, one more. No. What? What Papa did you John's. think? John's. No. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> better ingredients, better pizza, more racism. Papa John's. <laughs> the stupid John. thing is they waited two months to say something. It's okay because Colonel Sanders said it, right? <laughs> it, but, is, um, it was in his vocabulary. Yeah. Um, apparently, and this is kind of weird for for this community, Um there's a new book with the relaunch of vertigo. There's a new book coming out. And I don't know if you guys heard about this. Um, what is it called? Um, wh- what about your vertigo? No vertigo. <laughs> yeah. Vertigo. That's the name I haven't heard in a while. Yeah. Um, what's the name of the book? It's uh border town. I want to say, um, let's see. Yeah. Border town. Um, the writer of border town is a Hispanic American and apparently he's been receiving death threats, um, that someone's going to at San Diego comic-con attack him. Is that the same as the cartoon that was on Fox? No. So what this is about is this is about a Arizona border town, the borders up against Mexico and a portal opens up between the border that is connected to like monsters of Mexican folklore and they start coming out. Um, I think that sounds kind of cool. He said he woke up to death threats um, that said on Twitter, we're not sending ice to Comic-Con. We're sending, we're sending exterminators. So that's, that's kind of shitty that this community where we, you know, we like to have everyone come to conventions and people to have a good time and, I mean, we had our own problems with that with Fat Punisher here. And it's kind of shitty just to see people go into that extent over over something like this, especially in 2018. I, <sighs> I think uh, social social media or whatever has just gotten... Uh, it's too easy and it's to, to make those comments. And the problem is, is that you have to take everyone, you know... Everyone's offended too easy now. Yeah, but when you make comments like that, it's kind of hard nowadays not to go, well, there's like a one in 100 chance that it might happen, you know? It happens so often, you know, where people just, I don't know. I I I have a feeling that, or I have an hypothesis that we uh, are the generations, you know, the last couple generations just doesn't, doesn't realize how, final death is and uh kind of sad so i think we're in a world right now where we're we have new school versus old school and they're clashing and the new school are ready to take over the reins the younger generation our generation are ready to take over the reins but the older generations aren't ready to let it go yet yeah, yeah I they're, agree. Not, they're not focusing on change for the world or change for the better they're they're focusing on greed and manipulation and how can they fatten their, their piggy bank and, and like that. Cause there's things that need to be done. And then they get into like, I'm not getting political here, but 
you know, they get into the house and then the Senate and then things just stall because, well, we don't like this. It's one versus the other. There's not that new school way of thinking where we're stuck in the old school ways. And it, it's just time where old school releases to new school or they find a happy medium and figure this shit out. Cause this is, this whole th- situation is, is ridiculous. And now it's spilling over to a community where we preach, a, where we try to preach acceptance and that everybody's welcome. And, you know, everybody can be in a comic books. Comics are for everybody, you know, and we, we practice and preach that at conventions and we like to see everybody there. And yeah, we have gripes about, okay, this pr- cosplayers cosplay is obnoxious and, and stuff like that. But to go to the extent to send death threats to somebody because they created a, a comic book called border town and they're Hispanic American is a little ridiculous. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of it is people are, are, they're looking for some, something that to, be to not about. like to, to, yeah. So, you know, you know, without reading it truly border town, Mexicans border, Arizona. Yeah. Oh, Oh, it, it's gotta be bad. You know what I mean? I think people are, you know, I, I don't think a lot of research goes into a lot of things either. Well, so the border town tells the story of a crack in the border between worlds that causes monsters of Mexican folklore to spill out into the tiny town of Devil's Fork, Arizona. So, I think that sounds cool as shit. Nothing else for the reboot of Vertigo. This is going to get major publicity for this book. Like, and this dude's just pumped to be like, he's like, you know, I'm not going to let this hate get to me. He's like, I'm pumped just to be at San Diego Comic-Con with a physical copy of my book to sign, to give to my fan, to give to fans. Like that's, that's a great mentality to have, but it just sucks that, you know, from the other end, you got to have people keyboard warriors on the other, you know, who can hide on the internet, writing this shit and making threats that don't need to be made. Um, so is, is the book already out or is it for just going to be out for the first time at it doesn't, it goes on sale September 5th, but I guess he's going to have some, advanced some advanced copies, copies at Comic-Con. Hey, Hey Jose, if you see him, grab, grab me one and uh, I'll shoot you the money for it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know what day he won't, Brian, <laughs> don't even count on it. <laughs> hey, I did for Andy. What did you do for Andy? I met Brian, Brian Quinn from Impractical Jokers, and he wrote a comic. And I met him, and I got a three book sign from him, and I sent one to Andy. Well, definitely, if you if you walk by I'm that cat, yeah, if you walk by that cat, you know, definitely grab one. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'll have to figure out like if they're doing that Saturday and give me the comics or whatever. I'm sure he'll have some. I'm sure you'll have time in between running from artist to artist to get sketches to, to do something. Well, real quick, what's your, what's your plan, Jose? Who do you plan on getting sketches from? I don't know. I haven't even looked at the list. Are you, um, are you friends on, on Twitter with Jason Perrin, Brian? No, I need to be. No. Reach out to Perrin because he's going to be there all weekend. Hmm. How's he doing? Is he, uh, is he back in the States for full time or what? Yeah, he's living in North Carolina now, apparently. Wow, so, but yeah, he's he's one to reach out to. So yeah, I'm sure that. that. <laughs> I'm sure. He I'm has sure. his he oh, has his ways. He can probably finagle you a free copy. Yeah, he'll. <laughs> yeah, he'll he'll find he has his ways of getting free stuff. Yeah, I I remember that very well. <laughs> Jose plays the stroke card. Yeah, Jose's got the stroke card now. 
had a stroke. Can I, I get a free stroke, sketch? Yeah, can I get a free sketch? <laughs> well, have you have you, and you guys looked at any of the exclusives that are that are going to be there? Is there anything cool uh, action figure wise or anything crazy? Not really. I mean, uh, back, back in the really day when I was going, like in the early two thousands, that was one of the funnest parts. And I think it's just gotten so overboard with exclusives that the they, problem they're shitty now. Well, that not just that, but then they've changed the way they do it. So, like, you had to you had to enter a drawing well in advance. So even for like when Kyle and I went those two years, it was to get a wristband for Scott Snyder or Jim Lee or anyone like that. You had to first come first serve. Like you got to the booth first thing you got your wristband and then you showed up for their signing. Well, now you have to enter yourself into a raffle well in advance. And then they raffle off whether or not you're going to get that signature way to ruin the fun. So right. it's not a, a mad dash for, you know, first come first serve. Now it's, you have to enter a raffle. So you're essentially waiting in line to see if you can get a ticket to wait in line. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm not, I'm not too broken up that I'm not going. Cause yeah. I don't want to spend all that money to get there. And then, and then what, so what happens? You want to meet all these artists. You want to meet these writers and, and then, you know what you spend, cause it costs, you know, it costs a lot of money to go to San Diego comic-con to walk through the front doors of it. And then not be able to get everything. I just I don't know. I don't. I like saw that. people charging anywhere from like four hundred to a thousand dollars for a four day pass. That's insane. That's yeah. Stupid. But if you see Cena Grace, uh, Jose, make sure to tell him that he's fabulous. I will. <laughs> make sure so to tell him you, that we think he's fabulous. Did you read Die Die Die, Matt? I did read Die Die Die. So, what do you think about Gimple being part of it? I don't see how he's part of it. He, I guess maybe he's just an idea man. So does it, does, how do you think? Okay. So that goes to show that maybe Robert Kirkman is more into this Rick dying, leaving, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, now you're going to open this worm. Oh my God. <laughs> well, the, I mean, that's, I, I was going to, I was going to at least wait until after we get the trailer next weekend before we right, open this I, wormhole. I took but, it back. No, go ahead. You already opened it. I just think him being part of it, I think, you know, Kirkman's like, you know, because we were saying before Kirkman, I I think he's got nothing to do with it. I don't think he would let this happen. I think him Gimble being a part of this book shows that maybe it's maybe our thinking was a little skewed. What's Gimple doing? I mean, what is he listed as like the co-pilot? He's in the interior. He is listed as the co-pilot. That's all it is. So it's um, writer Robert Kirkman, Scott M. Gimple, co-pilot. And then they've got two relatively unknown artists, colorists, and in, in letterers. Wow. It, I mean, that, I, I don't know. That just I think that goes to show that maybe there's, it's more than what we think. Same thing. It, it's more behind the scenes. You know what I mean? That's just, I, don't, I don't know. Like, to me, I see where you're coming from. And we can get into a whole topic to make this go on all night. But I'm going to say, I don't know because I think Walking Dead, Walking Dead is the book that put Kirkman on the map. Yeah, people know about Battle Pope and people know about Invincible, but Walking Dead is the book that launched his career. And I think he plays that a little bit closer to the chest. I don't think, I don't think them collaborating on a book is going to be have anything to do with what what's going to happen in the walking dead. I think it just, I just think it goes to show that, you know, I, I still think Kirkman is more of a, 
decision maker than when we think than what we've had past conversations about. And you could be right. You could absolutely be right, but I don't. I don't know. Because you know, because before we were, I mean, before we were saying, Crackman wouldn't let this happen. He he must not have any say because you know. I think it, a part it, of me has such disdain for Scott Gimple that I don't really care. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I think I think part of me just has such disdain that I just don't want to. Even I understand that. I, I really understand that because there's I there's some people that I feel about like that where you just like I don't even want to know anything about them because they've they've. You have that disdain, so I understand that. If he's ruining your one of your favorite things, just like people hate Dan Slott for what he did, so that's what kind of made me surprised that Kirkman's still running with him. Well, that was kind of that's kind of my point. Is like that's why I think he's got more in these decision things than than I think we than we thought. I think I honestly think that the puzzle, the picture, will become more clear after the San Diego trailer. Um, yeah, I think they're going to throw you off, but I think we'll be able to, you and I are usually pretty good at dissecting that. So I think we'll be able to kind of break it down for everyone and be like, okay, this is where I think we're going to go. You I know, mean, and, whatever happens, I mean, Rick's only in five episodes. Well, supposedly, you, you know, that's not confirmed yet. And I, like I said last week, I still think that, it was just that he went home because they're having a holiday. They had the 4th of July in the States, so he doesn't celebrate that. So he went home, and they weren't probably reconvening shooting until after San Diego Comic-Con. So he can go home for a couple weeks and spend it with his family and then come back to do the press for San Diego. And then I wouldn't be surprised if he turns back up on set for more episodes. You are, you are going to finally get to see Maggie's baby, though, after fucking two seasons. Hmm. So... Then there is a time jump. Yeah, they've already confirmed it. It's a two-year time jump. Holy shit. So That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's a two-year time jump. So she's going to finally have her fucking baby. <laughs> it takes a two-year time jump yeah. to that kid. That goddamn two-year gestation period for this fucking kid. <laughs> she'll be, she'll be uh, 22 months pregnant. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> She'll just be a fucking beach ball with arms and legs. She'll look like fucking uh, Violet Beauregard. Yeah. She had a stroke. Who, Violet Beauregard? Yeah. And the family is, they have like a a GoFundMe right now to help pay for the medical bills and stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. Did Gene Wilder come from the grave and be like, come with me? (laughs) Stroke with me. A world of pure imagination. That's why uh, Jose's eyes swelled up. <laughs> his his, uh, his stroke dart came on. <laughs> All she sees is like that part in Thor Ragnarok where that song starts playing when he's going through the tunnel to meet the the Grandmaster. That's so funny. I love that scene. But but yes. So that I guess will do it for this week's episode, huh? I think that's pretty much all I've got. Do you guys have anything else? I'm sure we're going to have a lot of stuff next week. Don't kill those toads. Yeah. <laughs> send them to Brian. Send, send the toads to Brian. But hey, I want to think. I want to thank everyone who turned out to watch us on Facebook or on Facebook. Turned out <laughs> to watch us on YouTube tonight. We definitely appreciate both of you. That. Yeah, um, both of you. If you could do us a favor and hit that like and subscribe button. Also head to iTunes and all of your other podcasting um, destinations and subscribe to the show. 
it's a good time. We we usually try to have fun on this show. But um but yeah, so I guess that'll do it for this week's episode of the Absolute Geek Podcast. I'm Matt. I'm Kyle. I'm Jose. I'm Brian. And we will see you next time. Adios.